Welcome to the Hot Topic Bold Talk Podcast. Dr. Jacqueline is opening a forum for us to discuss opinions on the topics currently trending today. She's also going to share her experience with unique and diverse books that will encourage us all to think differently about the world and change our lives for the better. Together, we cover hot topics and get into the nitty gritty of how they affect our lives. All in the friendly and engaging tone so that you feel comfortable listening, even if it's not your favorite topic. This podcast is the perfect blend of knowledge and fun. We discuss everything and anything that matters today. Don't settle for the same old stuff. Get in on the conversation. Hello, this is Dr. Uh, Jacqueline uh, from DTB Leadership Group. I am uh, doing podcast 19. I do want to let you know that I've been writing some articles on visionary dream coaching. And I'm going to move away from it for about uh, two podcasts because I do want to make some comments that will recognize African-Americans in the history they've had uh, in America and we need to do about addressing racism. So my podcast 19 is, do you feel pain and dismay at the attempt to stifle the truth about racism in America? We're seeing that in several states. The stories provided in Black History Month need to be told all year long, as far as I'm concerned, and we need to listen to those stories and get a much better understanding of the African-American community. <clears throat> so let's look back in the, in the following descriptions of racism as a uh, as can, we can do about a black male that suddenly caused America to pay attention. Yet the same thing continues to happen to many African-Americans throughout our history of America at any current day, even though this particular man brought tremendous attention to us about the violence against black males. Traditionally, these stories keep happening Unfortunately, and racist actions are more prevalent after the election of a president that fed racism. We also have mega Republicans attacking schools, books, and our educational system to stop being educated about racism in our country. I don't know about you, how I've been fighting for equity and justice in our country for over 50 years, and I will continue to do so till the day I die. I feel sick and tired of racist Americans that want to hide from the racist actions that happen every day in the United States of America. <clears throat> I want to use a book by Ibram X. Kendi, which is How to Raise an Anti-Racist, and he wrote it in 2022. And he has a description of George Floyd's death on pages 165 to 166 in this book. And I think it's important to hear what um, Kendi has said. Man dies after medical incident during police interaction. Went to the title of the first official police account. The man was stopped by police on May 25th, 2020 
Memorial Day, suspected of forgery. When two officers arrived on the scene, they ordered the man to step from his car, the police account alleged. After he got out, he physically resisted officers. As the officers handcuffed the man, he appeared to be suffering mental distress. The account stated that the officer called for an ambulance. He was transported to the hospital by ambulance where he died a short time later. But a cell phone video by a 17-year-old, Dornella Frazier, captured George Floyd's handcuffed face down and Minneapolis police officer Derek Chevron nailing on his neck for nearly 10 minutes as Floyd cried out, I can't breathe, called out for his mother and eventually lost consciousness. Frazier's uh, video was uploaded to Facebook. In three weeks, nearly eight out of 10 Americans had seen some or all of the recording. By the summer's end, between 15 and 26 million Americans in all 50 states took to the streets in the largest series of demonstrations in American history. The original police account became a Memorial Day for Americans' official fabrications about racism. It was all denial and victim blaming reflective of what the nation teaches us. Frazier's video became the Memorial Day of Truth about racism. Racist power hardly flinching and letting up as it suffocated the life of its victims. What the nation is too ashamed to teach. And Kendi goes on and he says, in 2020, Memorial Day provided the ultimate lesson of racist, furious actions and the way to try to create normalcy to cover it up. Frazier's video uncovered so much for so many and began what we some start calling, calling the reckoning or the racial reckoning, a nation reckoning would with what it had been, what it was, and what it no longer wanted to be. Now, the reality is the killing of African Americans continues. The suppression of slavery and violence against not only African Americans is systematically being eliminated from the discussions in our schools. Since white men and women feared the facing of racism in America, here is the insidiousness of the attacks on providing a true history of, of America on page 175 of Kendi's book. A bill introduced in the Texas Senate dro dropped requirements for public schools to teach the Ku Klux Klan as morally wrong and for students to read materials by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., labor leader, Cesar Chavez, Chavez and, and suffragist Susan B. Anthony. The bill deleted most mentions of people of color and women from states which were uh, required curriculum. 
To me, Florida is a perfect example of a governor attempting to eliminate any discussion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it and his takeover of one of the public institutions in Florida by appointing extremist conservative Republicans to the university board is a threat to the critical thinking process of students who attend this university. If you read the news about this event and you go to the racial balance of students that are attending this university, you realize that women and persons of color will be fed history that does not support the outstanding leadership of their various races and cultures. I believe this is a crime against the educational process and a power play that dehumanizes women and people of color. Is that what you really want in America? That is the reason I will periodically provide a podcast of American, uh, African-American history and racism this in the month. And I will cover other racial groups as we go through the year. What I'd like to offer now is the African-American stories through Scallywag magazine. There are many historical events led by African-Americans that are not in textbooks or read by Caucasians in America. And most of the time, many Caucasians do not know they exist. So I want to take the articles that are written in Scallywag and show you some of the things that many of you may not know about. The article is titled, The Spectacle of Black History. And it's by the executive director, publisher of the Scallywag magazine on February 3rd, 2023 at 2.30. Uh, 2:30. Sarah Brown Hinton is the editor. Jabril Kazan, who used his previous name was Ezell Blair, Franklin McCain, David Richmond, and Joseph McNeil, the A and T four, or as they are more popularly known, the Greensboro four, are the centralized figures in a series of nonviolent direct action that sparked the national sit-in movement and, and reinvigorated the larger movement for civil rights in, um, in the United States. As Hinton goes on, she says, on February 1, 1960, the four students walked from the campus of North Carolina A&T University, a historically black college, downtown to the Woolworths 85 and Dime Store. After purchasing, purchasing items from the general store, they sat down at the establishment's segregated lunch counter and asked to be served in the whites-only section. They were refused service by the white staff and the manager, intimidated by police and heckled by white customers. As the store closed for the day and the four headed back to campus, a reporter from the Greensboro Record met them on the sidewalk outside. During that interaction, the reporter snapped a photo and asked the four men if they planned to return the next day, to which they replied, yes. That interaction was a catalyst and a prerequisite for the transformation to come. Many people, though not enough, 
are familiar with the story of the A&T Four, but far fewer folks know that the four were not the first to sit in. Just 45 minutes away and three years prior, Reverend Douglas Moore led fellow church members in a sit-in at the Royal Ice Cream in Durham, North Carolina. There were also sit-ins in Chicago, Oklahoma, and Kansas, to name a few. Media coverage played a pivotal role in the city-ins becoming a movement, not a moment. By February 3, 1960, WFMY News 2, UPI and AP Newses, and other photographers joined the record in broadcasting and reporting what was going on in Greensboro. As the days turned to months of protests and increasing white violence, the city movement received near-daily coverage in the New York Times. By the summer of 1960, over 50 cities would join the youth-led movement with cities of their own. That is the phenomena of a spectacle. It says, the lynching of black Southerners, the horrific state of Emmett Till's body and his mother Mamie's heartbreak during his open casket funeral, the white folks as black children integrated schools were violent and disruptive. More recently, the brutal beating and murder of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police and the even more triumphant movements like the March on Washington are all hallmark moments of black history that became spectacles. It is the visual impact of these moments that make them so. The postcards that are actually souvenirs, photos and videos that make the daily and nightly news by bystander and body cam footages shared in mass and on loop with the endless live feeds of uprising not too far behind. The images of these moments strike, often shock, and demand that we either deny or affirm the humanity that we see in those screen those uh, scenes. If visual impact is what makes spe uh, spectacles, then media makers and journalists are its stewards. How different might our media be if more journalists understood themselves as gatekeepers of humanity? If the press understood that every time they show an image of violence or struggle, they invite the audience to decide how much compassion and empathy to extend to the oppressed, how much more careful would they be with their pictures and words? Would they continue to choose objectivity if they knew that as folks move forward from their encounter with spectacle, they are conferring dignity or disgrace to others? Would they consider what it means to play spectacle on repeat, arresting people in shock as they drive clicks and drive their advertising dollars. As we celebrate Black history and fight daily to make space for a Black future, we at Scallywag are eager to under, 
on Earth the answers to these questions. We know what happens when media outlets leverage spectacle to affirm white supremacy, patriarchy, transphobia, homophobia, and other forms of oppression. This Black History Month and every month, may we swiftly answer the calls to support journalists that lead us to justice and liberation instead. So what I want to do is this evening, I want to end this podcast 19 and say these things. The importance of having real and thoughtful writing and media in our, in our books we provide at schools and libraries is of paramount importance. We need to realize that the tragedies around racism that are part of our history have created a crisis for us as parents, educators, and caretakers to be, be prepared to know how to talk about racism. The research shows that babies start seeing race between three and nine months. Anti-racist, like racists, are bred, not born. What will we be willing to do to educate ourselves about racism and then start dismantling racist structures that are impacting our children and all of us? Thank you for listening this evening. Thank you for listening to the Hot Topic Bold Talk podcast. Now remember to get in on the conversation, head on over to patreon.com slash Dr. Jacqueline. Bye for now.